Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Volkswagen e-Golf special edition. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And I have to start out by saying I'm very disappointed by the shortness of the title this time, Alan. That That is the title. That's it. Are you sure? That's it. it there is only one spec level. Okay. And I wasn't going to have a Volkswagen Golf e-Golf because that's just <laughs> dumb. So, no, it's... um. It's the e- it's it just says here on the spec sheet it says e golf one three six ps five door model year twenty nineteen. Well, I'm going to have to have a word with Tom to start getting them to change how they name things because that's just not not efficient and sufficiently fun enough for us on the motoring podcast. <laughs> for you on the motoring podcast, it's never fun for me. But it meant that we actually recorded the title in the first try. Yes, tonight, that is true. It's better than we normally manage on these things. So come on, tell me, what what, what is this thing then that is has a, the short title? <laughs> well, it's it's a weird one, this, because this is the testing of a nearly dead car, to be perfectly honest. Okay, well, that's a happy note to start this on. <laughs> it is a very happy note to start us on, but there is there is a reason for it. So this is the Mark 7, the Mark, uh, this is a Mark 7 Golf with an electric powertrain. It is a golf with an electric powertrain. That's 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 the concept. That's as complex as it is. Okay. But it's not going to exist in the Mark Eight, which has already been unveiled. It's this kind of scowly, slightly I'm not gonna put up with your rubbish looking one. Yeah, it's not gonna appear because if you've if you've listened, as I'm sure you have, to the Passat Launch Drive Day special edition. And then as part of my, my chat with Tom, he was saying, well, actually, this is it. From ID3 onwards, it's electrics on one platform, internal combustion, and plug-in hybrid on the other set of platforms. Okay. So this is a this is a, a model which is not going to exist for very much longer. So do you know why go, why they did this then with the golf? Was it was it is it do you think it's a test bed or do you think it was we needed something quick? Uh, I think it's a practice. Okay. I do. I, I think it's a test bed. I, I think it's a case of, and it could be a combination of the second part there that we need something quick. I, I simply don't know, but I would imagine it's more likely a case of, well, look, let's um, let's make any mistakes we're going to make with this version of the Golf uh, as minimal investment, really, and we should learn a whole load about how people use them and what they want to use them for and all that kind of thing. Because they've got they've got the packaging of the car itself sorted that's nailed they don't have to worry about that they've only got to worry about the drivetrain and how that interacts with the rest of technology well the packaging of course is the packaging that's meant for a plug-in or a hybrid it's not meant for a big enough battery well, sorry i was more meaning for the passengers and all that sort of stuff oh yeah yeah, yeah. well it's a yes it's there it's a platform it's a golf they said they sold what was it sixty six thousand seven hundred and ninety of them last year in the uk alone so yeah i mean then it's it's a it's a golf i don't really feel i need to give any more information <laughs> than that when it comes to it but what's really interesting about this is that it is the closest to a hit hint that we'll have as to what's going to come in the id3 okay I and mean, it's not what's going to come in the id3 but it, it's a hint and it's the learning curve on the way towards that so i think that that will i'll, I'll keep trying to as i go through this uh as it was uh when i had the car for a week i keep trying to hark back and think well what could this be like if you move it that half generation further on that it that it really needs to be okay anyhow as I said at the start, only one spec level. That's it. You get an e-golf. Uh, that spec will cost you 
straight out of the box, £33,840. You will take from that the £3,500 grant, uh, which leaves you £30,340. For that, you get a vehicle which will hit 93 miles an hour. It'll do 0 to 62 in a whopping 9.6 seconds uh, whilst delivering 136 of your metric horses and 240 newton meters of the torques right from uh, right from nothing. Okay. That is not enough to outdrag an MGZS off of a roundabout, as I discovered, to my shame <laughs> and embarrassment. I was in forgot what car I was driving mode and thought I'll have him before the end of the, the end of this short stretch of dual carriageway, and it, it didn't really work out that way at all. It was quite embarrassing. <laughs> anyway, more driving impressions to come. Uh, it's a press car, so it had some options. It had a heat pump fitted, which is £860. Uh, the heat pump, I actually think, is really quite a good thing, to be honest. Um, it Instead of all your heating coming from, you know, the burning battery power, essentially, and turning, uh, uh, wasting it by turning into heat, the heat pump will take some of the heat out of air exiting the cabin uh, and will use that to heat up incoming stuff. It'll also take the heat... More than that, it'll take the heat from uh, some of the drivetrain components and use that for warming the cabin. That can save you up to twenty percent of your um, up to twenty percent of your range in cold climates when it is particularly chilly. Oh, that's good. Uh, was it thirty six percent in cold conditions of about minus seven and improved efficiency at ambient temperatures around ten degrees? It's good. It worked. There were various reasons at various points when I, I, I ended up thankful it was there. But yes, <laughs> it also has a winter pack of £410. That's your headlight washers, your heated front seats, your heated windscreen washer jets, and a low washer fluid warning light. Uh, one thing which isn't listed here as an additional option on this featured car was it also had a heated windscreen. Ooh. You go, ooh, and I can't work out if there is an adequate... <sighs> I can't work out if there's an adequate trade-off between not having to scrape the windscreen and and my eyes going fuzzy when I'm driving in the dark with it. So I don't like looking through the bars. I'm sorry. It's a little bit like driving a cage. Uh, I'm not a huge... F I love the idea of a heated windscreen, but and in the past, my, my, my father had a Jaguar which had one, and it was... I found exactly the same. It was... It sort of did funny things with my eyes. Mm. But uh, that's not listed in, on the, the sheet here. It's also had the Active Info display for £525. Active Info is a 12.3-inch high-resolution TFT dash display with customizable menus and information. Okay. Not sure I'd spend the money on that one. Uh, it had keyless entry and starts and a start-stop button for £390. Okay. Yeah, it's a bit much. But then I wouldn't be without it either because I'm lazy. <laughs> Carpet mats are 800... Uh, not 800. Wow. Gee whiz. I'm sorry. It's threaded with it's, gold, these it's ones. A Volks, it's a Volkswagen, not a Porsche. Yes, it's a carpet mat at £85. <laughs> High beam assist for £155. Is that auto dipping, is it? Yes. It's automatic sensing for switching between dipped and main beam, according to the spec sheet. I'm sorry. How lazy have we become if we need a thing to... Mm. I quite like that. You get it masters. You're as lazy as me. That's what you are. You're as lazy as me. So mine 
mind. Uh, this one also came in Indian, <laughs> Indian grey for £595. You could have pure white for £370 of non-colour tax. Or Oryx white mother of pearl for a whopping £995 <laughs> colour tax. You can get Urano grey, which is just not a nice sounding colour. No for free the other greys that are available and there are another three or four different shades of gray are also uh 595 pounds there is a token non-monochrome dark atlantic blue which might as well be a dark monochrome which comes in at uh, 595 as well the 595 spec sheet i've got here it says 620 pounds on the golf configurator if you're playing on the website okie dokie Let's uh, let's start with the outside. Mm-hmm. It's a golf. Okay. It looks like a golf. <laughs> it's a grey golf. All right. That's what it is. Uh, if you look really, uh, you know, it's it's the same golf as you'd find sold in San Francisco in Istanbul, from the northernmost points of of Norway, right down to the southernmost points of South Africa. It's a golf. It's a five-door golf. You can all imagine it, right? That's it. It's, it doesn't look as grumpy as a Mark 8. It looks like a golf. However, if you look really, really closely, and I mean you're standing about a foot away from it, you can tell that there are some differences. There are C-shaped DRLs. There's a blue strip on the grill. There's a different rear spoiler, sills, and front and rear bumpers. That's it. That's the difference. The rear spoiler is there. It It's noticeable. It wasn't, I de- deemed it not big enough to eat a fast food meal off. Well, I think you'll have to hand your, your card into the uh, Midlands Motoring Writers Society or club. <laughs> Will you get that? <laughs> it was not a hot enough hatch. That was, that was the differentiation for me okay, there. Okay. In the interior, then, starting from the back, as we do so traditionally uh, on the podcast, the boot was reasonable sized. It had a multi-position boot floor. It didn't have... I was quite surprised, actually, to find that the boot floor was adjustable in any way, shape, or form. I was expecting all of that space to be taken up by the battery pack. Mm. Uh, and it it wasn't. that There wasn't a spare wheel. But there was room for the tire inflator and everything to be stored uh, under there. Okay. So it was there was actually underfloor storage, and as I say, that that droppable, that droppable boot floor, which was a bit of a surprise. There's also a 12 volt socket in the boot, and four repeat four curry hooks. Curry for all your hey. passengers. <laughs> yes, yes, you can have your own. You can have a, a baggage. Uh, as you expect, rear seats are standard C-segment hatchback, where they're not right. You know, it sits quite upright, quite high roof, uh, plenty of room in the rear seats, mm-hmm. really, as, as much as you'd expect. Yep. Similar to the front seats, it's the front of a Golf. Uh, I, that sounds terrible again, <laughs> but it really is. I mean, you, you imagine what it's like there. So the seats are quite firm. Uh, they're not very heavily bolstered in this case, uh, so they are, they are relatively flat. This one had um, manual seats, cloth-up holstery, Something like £2,300 if you want leather instead. So I would really stick wow. with the cloth unless you have unless you have a real desire for some, some dead cow on a seat. Um yeah, I'd be sticking with the sticking with the cloth personally. The dashboard is, you know, it's it's 
It's you what you'd expect from a Volkswagen. It's a it's golf. It's a golf. <laughs> but everybody knows what a golf's like. So it's really nice. It's, so it's it's nice quality. It's well screwed together. It's black and gray and a bit more black and a bit more gray. And it's all laid out in a, it's almost all laid out in a perfectly logical format. What happened, what I, I think of, I, I mentioned in the, when I was driving the Passat was that the, some of the buttons are on the opposite side of the gear knob. Yeah. Designed, work perfectly for left-hand drive, but not for right-hand drive. Well, this, the same happened here. The button to change the modes, so between normal eco and eco plus mode, driving modes, was on the far side of the gear of the the gear the drive selector I think is probably the the, the term I should use here <laughs> lever thing and you just couldn't from my seating position which I don't think is an abnormal seating position you just couldn't see it you had to learn where it was by touch and reaching around uh, around that that shifter so okay. that was a bit annoying that was the only thing that wasn't in the logical place the dual zone climate control uh, was set and forget. If somebody was sitting in the passenger seat, it turned on and activated for that side. If nobody was in the passenger seat, then it only worked for the, the driver's side. Okay. Perfectly logical, sensible, um, saving energy. I set the aircon for 21, set it to auto and eco modes, which is what I do with with any EV I've got. There's a kind of standard I will normally set set. I will just set the ventilation as I would normally have it. Mm -hmm. If there's an eco button for the ventilation, I'll press it and then leave it yeah. for as, as long as I possibly can. Yeah. The active info display in the binnacle was was just fine for you know it shows the the speedo on on the right hand side. On the left hand side is the energyometer. <laughs> <sighs> what do we call it? It's not a rev counter. But it is. It's it's a how how hard am I pushing it? How uh, how much regen am I getting, or am I just cruising? All shown on the left there. There's there's other kind of sub areas inside it which you could configure. There was kind of limited configuration to be honest around what you could have. But but you could switch between it being your range, it directions for the nav, and all these kind of things. Mm -hmm. You could also show the navigation screen sort of up in and sort of going around the two dials. I didn't really like that. I much preferred to have the navigation on the screen in the middle, the map on the screen in the middle, yeah. and the directions for what was coming up next in the middle yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, between the thing. But beautiful resolution, really nice thing to look at. Okay. Not sure I'd pay 525 or something for it, but, it's, uh, but yeah, it was, it was really nice. There's a single USB socket at the bottom of the dashboard in a handy covery cubby hole thing which you could close. It was quite good because when you closed it, then it, it then people couldn't see that there was a USB cable left there, even if you'd taken your, your phone with you. Mm -hmm. All the usual stuff, cup holders, et cetera, et cetera, in the central binnacle. Yeah, nothing particularly out of the ordinary in that. Quite an interesting thing. The, I was talking brief, quickly about the, the nav there. The nav and the, all the settings were the same as the one in the Passat that I drove recently. So okay. it was the, the pro version of that. There was one thing I noticed, which is I was flicking through the, these, these spec sheet, the piece of paper I have here, and it was saying that it had a single CD player. And I was like, there is a single CD player. I can't see how to get to that. And then I realized that when you open the glove box, there's a slot for the SD card for the navigation. And there's also a single CD player in the, in the glove box. <laughs> so if, if you, you can't really change the discs whilst driving, or I certainly wouldn't recommend it. 
but but it's there. It, it is it is still there. It was just unusual that there's still a, like a physical disc. Yeah, somewhere. yeah it's, it is becoming rarer and rarer. There, there's still a few. Yeah. There. yeah. So driving wise, then I presume you decided that uh, because you have a lone electric vehicle that you were going to go from uh, Lands End to John O'Groats or perhaps a cross continent jaunt to show how realistic an electric vehicle is in day to day use. Well, absolutely. And because I have a bladder the size of a planet, I'm going to do all of that in one go without ever stopping because I never do that ever, ever, ever. <laughs> uh, so I did. I had, I, I had a little. So I did actually take it on a trip, but I took it on a, but it was quite good because it was a proper work trip and it was one that I, that, that, I'll tell you why. What I did was actually I took it to so I took it from home here in in Corby in Northamptonshire and I went down to Fareham in Hampshire and then I came back from Fareham up to Tring in Buckinghamshire I think it's Buckinghamshire and then from Tring uh, home again to Corby it's actually a genuine week for me that I went down the Monday three days training. After the training on the third day, up to train meeting on the meeting on the Friday, and then on the Friday home home through through Friday night traffic. And I'm going to be honest, it's it's a drive I don't look forward to in my own car because it involves the M1, it involves the M25, or it involves the A34, which I really hate. And then during the week, it involves the M27 mm-hmm. or the M3, the M27. The drive back up involves that nasty bit of M27 and M3 uh, down around about Winchester. And then it's M25 up and around to Tring normally. And that's a bit of a slog on a, th- a slog at rush hour. And then Friday night from Tring up to around Northampton's just grim. It's it's a hard test. It sounds ridiculous, and it sounds like I'm having a winch, but it's a hard test, and it's the kind of kind of lap that I do relatively often. And it's one that I've done many times before, and I always feel it would actually be easier with an EV. Okay. Because the tiny little tank on my car doesn't have the range to do this easily. I have to go out of my way to refill. Part of that is because my own car only gets run on Tesco 99 fuel when it's in the UK. I, I'm quite <laughs> specific about that. So you've got to always know where there's a Tesco, and I have a little, I have a fairly good mental map of where they are, but there aren't any roundabout the client I have to go to and all that kind of stuff. So it's just a pain. Mm-hmm. It's actually just a pain of a trip. But I also know that on the route, there are plentiful and easily accessible EV charges. Okay easily sorted out so i went to well actually i came from home and i went to milton Keynes to collect the car on my way so so I, I did cheat a little bit okay because i then had already worked out that i should have been able to make it from milton Keynes to fairham on one charge right i made a slight detour well i made a couple of detours one quickly to luton because i need some lunch and so luton airport and then the I didn't have lunch in the airport, but it was nearby. And I popped in to see my sister on the way just off the M3 as well. Now, at neither point did I charge. I got the car from, from Volkswagen. It had 90-whatever percent in. It was fine. So 140 miles later, or thereabouts, 135, I think it was, I rolled relatively gently 
into the car park in uh, in Fairham. Having stopped, you know, I'd stopped a couple of times. I'd been sitting at 70 and I made it all the way down and I got into the car park at the hotel and swung around plugged into the plugged into the polar charger there grabbed my stuff from the boot went in checked in got changed and then by the time i'd done all of that i walked back out to the car and the car was at 95 percent again simple moved it away from the charger parked in the car park did my other messing around during the week without an issue and then before i was about to head up the road night before i just just plugged it in to top up the sort of 40 percent of charge i'd used mm-hmm. briefly and again it was like plug the car in go after work go in get changed come back out oh it's full simples yep piece of cake similarly i went from went from fair and went up to train easy run loads loads left not a problem got to the hotel plugged it into the charger same thing again and that went on and then from there home not an issue at all not an issue at all so long journeys really really easy by the way, what I haven't mentioned in all this, the range is about 140 miles. Okay. In actual fact, it's about 140 WLTP and 124 miles is the Volkswagen official figure. I was getting about 130 out of it consistently. Okay. And on that run, it was fine. It was dry. Over the weekend, it was a bit trickier because I didn't intend on doing the miles I was going to do and I don't have a home charger. Mm-hmm. So I almost got slightly caught out partly because I was having to run with lights on. The full LED headlamps, by the way, on this. The first production Volkswagen to have them. There you go. There's your nerd fact. And then, because I'd been up to Leicester and back, and then I had, then I decided to go to Northampton back, and I hadn't really figured for that. So it did get kind of low, because Northampton's a bit of a dead spot. And as well as that, there aren't that many uh, EV chargers. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was a bit tricky. I ended up going... I, I went out my way to somewhere I thought was closer than Kettering and it wasn't and it, I, I made a muck of it but it wasn't a big deal and by the time I'd had a milkshake uh, from five guys at the the um at the shopping center there was plenty of juice for me to get home and then prat about the next morning charging up at the polar charger here in town but I did all those miles so I did I did a good uh, few hundred miles in this in the week okay spread over the week long journeys not a problem because I don't have a home charger, it was actually when I was dodging around locally, writ locally with inverted commas, that I had a bit more of a charge, a bit more of a challenge. So that's all I'm going to say about infrastructure. The only time that there was an infrastructure issue uh, was my fault. I had no problems with any chargers. I was never, I uh, well, I wasn't iced. I had no problem connecting to chargers. Uh, no problem with their with with infrastructure access, anything like that. Cool. That was me intentionally not talking about the EV infrastructure. I think Good I job. failed. Good job, but, no, you've done a great job. No, no one yeah. noticed. <laughs> there was one time when I was near an ecotricity charger. I pretended it didn't exist. All right, that's the easiest way with ecotricity. <laughs> just 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 pretend they don't exist. That's my top tip for the the. For, so then you don't for, get for disappointed. Review. Well, yeah, that's it. That is exactly it. I saw someone re- mention recently that they don't get range anxiety, they get charger anxiety. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was quite good. Nice one, Chris. How was it to drive, though? Because that's what you're really sitting on the edge of your seat yes. waiting for. Can you do this without saying, it's a golf? It's like a golf. <laughs>
Well, n- not really. Well, no, it's not a goal. Well, have a think. Have a think. Just take a moment. It is absolutely silent. Okay. So you can mow down passengers. Not passengers. You can mow down pedestrians. Do no, you... no. I mean, from in, from inside, it's silent. <laughs> from outside, there is, of course, a synthetic whirring noise uh, that doesn't quite sound enough like the Jetsons car for my, for my liking. <laughs> I want it to broadcast that this is the future and this is really not the car for that. Um, it is incredibly smooth. It's a combination of the fact that there is, of course, zero vibration from the drivetrain and that you have 205-55 R16 tyres. Okay, so they have all the sidewall. You've got, what's that, 11, 12 centimetres almost of tyre sidewall around these tiny 16-inch aero wheels. It is super squishy. I mean, don't expect them to be particularly happy if you uh, lash it into roundabouts. But or so you've heard. <laughs> yeah, allegedly, conservation of momentum is important in EV. That's how I can get. Or that's how I can get on or over the Volkswagen predicted range all the time. So it's incredibly smooth, incredibly quiet. It's not wonderfully quick, especially if you knock it into eco mode where it cuts the power to 95 metric horses okay it reduces the aircon output and the top speed it reduces it to 71 miles an hour which isn't a big deal really and i generally sat in normal and just left it but it is it is not wonderfully quick car well it's not that it's not wonderfully quick it just doesn't feel quick because there's no clue as to what speed you're doing partly the sound as well do you think what sound exactly yeah, that's it. That that is a lot of that is the challenge. From that point of view, it is like a golf, but with a lot of the soul and the indication taken out of it. Okay. Okay. Oh, I was saying about my range. I got about four-ish miles per kilowatt hour. I pushed it. It got as low as three point six, three point seven at one point. Uh, it got up, got it up into four point sixes at another point. Uh, when I was really being sort of Captain Featherfoot and Richard Orcock style, <laughs> but no, it was it was four point one, four point two was my was my uh, was what it ended up as okay. uh, at, by the end of the week. So I, I'm quite chuffed with that. That's that's not bad. Uh, it's not as it's not as good as the Hyundai's. Not as good as the Ionic. Uh, when we were doing charging around Britain, because of because we had to, we we were getting five point one, five point two. So you know, I, I at the time it's one of those ones we didn't realize how economical we were being. Mm. It did take a couple of days to get used to the braking system in this, though. That was the source of excitement in this car was the fact that the regen isn't always as re- the, at the top of the braking isn't always as regenerative as you hope it's going to be. Right. And if you're trying to be gentle, 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 and try not to actually use the physical brakes, then it can get a bit, come on, slow, slow me down, slow me down. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> so that took a little while to get into the thread of. That and the fact that the going left and righty across the across the, the sort of box, the auto box, seemed a bit weird to get your different levels of regen. I, the flappy paddles are so much better for that. And it took, but it took me until quite a lot, quite a bit further through the week to realize that if I just pushed, pulled back, it would put it into full regen. And then if I tapped, tapped it back again, it would return it to, to, to normal, no, no regen. 
And I quite liked that. Okay. I got quite used to that. The other thing that I discovered was particularly good in this car is the adaptive cruise control. All right. Really, really smart. Really nice. Like the best adaptive cruise control I've, I've used. And it's, it's good for keeping a reasonable distance. It doesn't ram on the brakes. It's always, uh, it's always smooth. You can let it run right down to a stop behind another vehicle. Okay. At which point it will do a soft beep just to let you know that it's going to stay there until you give the slightest touch on the throttle. Right. Or whatever we call it now, the power pedal, to to then just release that, let it move off, and then it will go back in and, and just follow the vehicle in front. The other really good thing it has, mm-hmm. if someone is in the middle lane being being a pest or in traffic or whatever, then it, it will recognize they're there and it won't undertake them. Okay. But if you do need it, if it, if you are going off to, to you know, and it, it won't do that if you're over about 35, 40 miles an hour. Right. It'll put a big graphic on the screen, which shows that it's recognized as a car in, in the lane to your right, so it's not going to go scooting up the, the inside. Uh, if you just tap on the, again, slightest tap on the throttle, it'll just override that. And so you can go up the slip road, you can do whatever, or it will undertake or, uh, as you need if it's not really an undertaking situation. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Really good, really, really nice adaptive cruise. Cool. It made things uh, even less stressful. In fact, between the adaptive cruise and the fact it was so flipping quiet, it's just as well it didn't have, you know, lane keeping assist or anything, because that would just have been, that would just have been the end. <laughs> there was a point there was one point on one of the longer stretches where i was making sure i was playing quite keep your wakey star music <laughs> the biggest criticism of this it was so quiet so smooth and so easy to drive that i i did worry about full disengagement <laughs> yeah i can understand how it can happen yeah again you really can even more in an ev than in than in um, internal combustion engines as well. It really, you, you could see that how fuel, full disengagement could, could happen. Mm-hmm. But the drivetrain in here was cracking. And I said I was going to keep relating this stuff back to the ID3 as much as I possibly could. And other than saying the ID3 will be not like a golf, um, <laughs> I, I failed miserably. But the drivetrain in this was excellent and the tech in it was excellent. The one slight challenge was that lack of range. And with the ID3 range going, going to be as high as uh passing the 200 mile mark then i don't think that's going to be an issue i think all of a sudden this will be incredibly accessible to an awful lot of people yeah you've mentioned tech there was there any i have mentioned was tech. there any other uh well it, it does conceal almost all of it i mean most of the clever stuff is in that drivetrain which is good it's smooth it's quiet it's efficient it's quick enough i mean this is this isn't this isn't nippy i mean this isn't this isn't as quick as a as a Kona EV, for example, yeah. or even an Ionic. Okay, I, I did notice it was more more throttle back than than just about uh, any any other EV I've driven. But you could still chirp the tires if you were being sensible, <laughs> or if you were just trying to get out, or if you were just trying to get out of a junction. Usually, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it does. It is the most unfuturistic car of the future ever, ever, ever. Sat nav and everything was was good. I mean, there was CarPlay and stuff, but I found myself using the Volkswagen nav, mm. and the reason for that really was that the integration of the navigation and the drivetrain was 
another thing which I've not seen it quite as tight before. So, for example, if you're even if you're on uh, if you even if you're on on cruise control and it knows there's a roundabout coming up, or if you're just going but you're driving gently and it knows there's a roundabout coming up, then it will start to apply. It can give you a notification of when you should lift off, so you can get driving hints, which doesn't take very long to tweak to. But actually, you start to notice that even if it's flat and level, it will start to apply regen on the up on the approach to a roundabout and stuff okay to 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 get you ready for the roundabout so and i i kept checking at first i thought it was coincidence and then i realized it really wasn't uh so if you're approaching junctions and things it would start to sort of just think he's gonna he's gonna need to slow down so regenerate a little bit even just applying a bit more there uh so it was it was really neat the one weird thing about using the nav is that the lady just doesn't shut up <laughs> And she phrases stuff. I can't think of how it would, how it is now, but she phrases stuff in a really odd way. Take the second right onto Street Studfall Avenue, and it's just like, what? Why are you saying Street? Why are you? you? She she uses German phrasing in English. Oh, okay. And it's just a bit odd, and it grates actually. Well, to me, it grates a bit. But the the actual direction she gives and when she gives them a, a good. It's just sometimes she will not shut up, which is a right pain if you're listening to podcasts or an audio book and this, and she's just wittering over the top. It's like, stop it! I was listening to that. Just tell me turn to turn right or when to turn left. That's it. That's what you're here for. All right. So then, uh, so you you took it on a normal work week, doing normal worky things, and a little bit extra at the weekend. What's your verdict? <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that's as someone for whom EV. I'm a borderline case for whether or not an EV will work. Yeah, got to re- remember that. Okay, it's kind of why I don't really have. I think it worked pretty well. It's, it's the usual thing. 140 miles is actually quite far, mm. especially in the south of Englandshire here, where there's lots of other people on those 140 miles, which means you can't do them as quickly as you'd want. Mm. Whilst on one hand. I don't really know what the other hand is, to be perfectly frank. I mean, can't even work out what's on that hand. It doesn't, but it was one of these things where it was actually a pretty... It was a good test for an EV. I confess I already knew the lie of the land, so I knew where the charges were. I knew where the backup charges were, because I'm me, and that's what happened. Yeah, but... And uh, I confess that the one... And that's not, that's not a confession, though. That is... It's not that's, really. That's it's what just common sense, isn't who it? is an owner would do. That's not what, say, a motoring journalist or someone pretending to be a motoring journalist would do because they go, oh, I just go up the motorway because that's what I always do. And, uh, you know, how many of us actually stop at the motorway for actual petrol if we can help it? So why would we think we should Never. stop for electricity if we can help it? Although, Well, that's well, that's exactly it. So, I mean, it was I was pushing the limits, certainly on the run from MK down. And I think I was helped quite a lot there by slow traffic to be perfectly honest i didn't have an issue with it giving a home charger i would never have had a charging issue at all yeah and that included doing and that was doing a fairly relatively full-on week and and if you were again if you were a proper ev owner you would have a home charger because you have you have a driveway so you have the ability to do that but having said that you still have access in your locale it's a little bit inconvenient to go to places, but 
It's not the end of the world. So on the way home from Tring, I didn't come straight home. I went and I stopped at, uh, there's a new, there are two new rapid chargers uh, near me at Shell Station. And I went and I plugged in and nice, nice quick chargers. By the way, lovely quick chargers. It's nothing to do though. Not at half past seven on a Friday evening when you're sitting at one of the tables by the closed food counter in the spa because that's all there is. And it's cold and you're tired because you've been away from home for almost the entire week. And that's why it wasn't charged enough was because after 20 minutes, I'd had enough. Mm. Sorry. And that was the downside. And that was purely the downside of me not having a home charge. That and the fact that I wanted to go and try these new chargers. Yeah. I didn't didn't have any issue like that. It was a minor inconvenience on that one because it wasn't near anything useful Yeah, at that point. I couldn't even go for a walk because it was wet well that was the other thing this is the first time i'd had a, a an ev when the weather had been miserable yeah because we've been very lucky in the past and it coped admirably with that and i think that the heat pump was a major source of help there mm-hmm. actually uh when it was cold and wet so overall um i was i'm slightly stumped by its golfness um it is <laughs> If you don't want people to know you're driving an EV or you just don't, you want to try an EV or you want to have an EV with the like sort of minimal change to your life in any way, shape or form, then this is the one to go for. There is absolutely no quantitative thing that this car does wrong. Okay. In fact, there's barely anything qualitative that this car does wrong. (laughs) The only thing it has that could be seen as wrong is it would be nice to have a little bit more range, but even that's an, a nice to have. It is a completely blameless, fail-free vehicle. As a result, it has about as much soul as 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 my webcam does. Here. <laughs> and, and that's what I find difficult about it. And and I think that if the ID three has some soul, and I think it will. I think there seems to be a move towards that, and it has some of that EV pizzazz taste of the future type stuff then i think it will be an absolute winner mm-hmm. and i want it to be an absolute winner the e-golf is great if you just want a car there you go i'm sorry that's as i can't get enthused about it highly competent but not exciting but i like it at the same time and that's and i admire the fact that it is so competent like or admire admire there's i i well no because then i sound like an alfa romeo owner don't i and i get moany when cars are too reliable uh, which i just can't just don't understand um but and i'm not doing that i just i just want something in there something something more than some blue stitching around the steering wheel and and a little blue plastic bit around the ev shifter I want I want something to tell me that this is the future and this is cool and this is going to be awesome. And I don't feel that the e-golf has that, but I hope, I really, I'm pretty certain that the ID3 will have. Okay. And that's what matters. The ID3 matters, not the e-golf. Yeah. But the foundation should be awesome for the ID3. Cool. There you go. There's a non-review of the Volkswagen ID3. <laughs> that's really all I've got to say about this, to be perfectly frank. <laughs> I liked it. Thank you to to the chaps at Volkswagen, Tom and Co, uh, for going out of their way and and rearranging stuff and everything. So awesomeness. 
But anyway, folks, don't forget, between now and the next time, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts for the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you'll find me there. And Alan, if people want to get in touch with you and really find out uh, whether soul actually matters in a car, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh, Twitter, definitely, where I'm at, A-J-P Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, we'll be back before very long, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.